0: Good morning. God bless you guys. God is so amazing. He is. Oh, I could stay in that serious mind state, but I just know the goodness of God and listening to Faithy laugh in the back and I was thinking she's distracting. And then I thought, man, that just actually, if I take the time and listen to her laugh, it actually pleases me. (laughs) Oh, And I believe that's how the Father is. When we laugh, when we're filled with joy and expectation, and there's like the light of brilliance is just in our eyes, and people can see that the joy of the Lord is upon us. I think He delights in that. He does, because He delights in the prosperity of His people. He loves us, and I love it when my children are happy, when my children are full of joy. When they don't have worry, but instead of worry, they have an expectation that their dad can fix anything. So when they freak out because they pulled the head off a $2 Barbie, they bring it to dad. And it's a big deal to them, but to me it's not. Because if I can't fix it, I can buy another one to replace it. But there's nothing broken in our lives that God can't fix. <laughs> and when he fixes it, he makes it as new. It's not just a new paint job. It's not just a restoration. It's brand new. in the same quality that it was first given in, when you receive it back, it's the same way. Brand new. Because he makes all things new. All things have become new to us. Amen. My main scriptures are going to be in Colossians chapter three, one through 17. But before that, the foundation scripture is going to be found in the book of Philemon chapter one with verse three. And this is what it says. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, sometimes we just gloss over that or just read over it, and we don't really understand that when the Apostle Paul said, grace to you, there was actually supposed to be an impartation. He just wasn't writing vain words. When he wrote it down and then Philemon read it, he expected the same grace that was on his life to get on Philemon when he read it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, grace to you and peace From God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this is what the Apostle Paul says about Philemon. He says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. So obviously the Apostle Paul was very thankful for this man. Verse 5, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. Listen to verse 6. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We're going to read verse 6 again. That the communication of your faith, because he said, I thank God for you making mention of you in all my prayers, because he had such a love towards the Lord Jesus, and it was demonstrated in the love that he showed to God's people. And then he says in verse 6, let's read it again, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So how does our faith become effectual? by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. For you have given us freedom living on the inside. That's acknowledging every good thing that is in us. Our faith becomes effectual, fervent, and it's actually able to work when we acknowledge what is on the inside. That's what the Scripture says. I'm going to be referencing that a whole lot. So, you can keep that scripture in mind, but we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, how many of us in here have been risen with Christ? All of us have been risen with Christ. So, if all of us have been risen with Christ, then what he's about to say it involves us. <laughs> If you then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits. The same thing that he wrote to Philemon by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, that's what causes your faith to work effectually. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So when it says set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, how many of us have actually heard messages that actually preach to you that God is against wealth because it leads to your desire of wanting more things which are on the earth? That's where the message of poverty actually was introduced to the church because the enemy was able to sow a lie and associate scriptures like these in the hearts of believers to having anything of substance upon the earth because in that you wouldn't be setting your affection on things that are above. For you were dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So when he's telling us to set our affections on things above, not on things of this earth, what is he telling us to set our mind on? Is he talking about us just thinking about heaven? Is that what he's talking about? Things above, not on things of the earth? Jesus said, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Tell us when the kingdom of God will appear. Jesus' response to them is, The kingdom of God will not appear with observation, for they won't say there it is or here it is. He said, For the kingdom of God shall be in you. So when he's telling us to set our affection on things above, it lines up exactly with what he's telling Philemon. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. So we're not actually looking up to be obedient to this scripture, to fulfill this scripture. We're actually looking in because the kingdom of God, the higher things, have been actually placed inside of us. That by the acknowledging of Him inside, that it will actually quicken our faith and cause it to work effectively. And then we get to verse 5. And then it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Remember how I just said that that scripture in verse 2 has been used to discourage Christians from wanting anything, any substance in the earth? That's because they stopped there. What he's talking about, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, is found in verse 5. Mortify, Therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, and ordinate affection, which is lust, evil concupiscence, which is desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So when we're setting our affections on things above, not on things of the earth, it has nothing to do with actual things. It has to do with the pattern of the world that we all used to walk in. Because when we were made new, we really are new. We really have freedom. And the freedom comes when we acknowledge what's actually on the inside, inside of us. That's where the faith begins to actually walk out the victory that he's already planned for us to walk in before we ever even accepted him. The acceptance of Jesus brought salvation. But salvation was the starting line. See, once we accepted Jesus, God has a path for us to walk. He's actually preordained good works for us to walk in. That's what the scripture says. He's preordained them. That means that there will be a time and a place where God gives you an opportunity to express or to walk in the fullness of your calling. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Because of all these things, the wrath of God's coming on people. So people who are experiencing this stuff, they should just expect wrath. Man, it's quiet in this grace church. (laughs) But have you never heard that? Something bad happens to somebody and it was because of something they were doing? The Scriptures were always supposed to bring life, edification, light, and godliness into everyone's life. But the way that these Scriptures have been preached in the past led people full of fear, condemnation, Doubt, and it eventually led to open rebellion because they believed that God was the one afflicting them. Okay? We're going to go back to verse 5 again because I'm going to point out something in verse 7. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Verse 7, in the which you also walk sometimes when you lived in them. So let me ask you a question. When we lived in those things, did we experience mercy or did we experience wrath? We experienced mercy. So according to verse 7, verse 6 has actually been misinterpreted. Let's read verse 6 again. For which things sake the wrath, which you can also say is justice, the justice or judgment, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Do you know what that word disobedience means? Unbelieving? Disbelieve? It's specifically referring to the rejection of Jesus. Jesus not the rejection of sin. Because you can reject certain sins, but you're still not getting to heaven. There's only one way we're going to get to heaven, and it's the Lord Jesus. There's no other door that we can enter in by. There's no other name given to men wherewith they shall be saved, the Scripture says. He is the only way. He said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, That no one can come unto the Father but by me. This right here, verse 6, in its context, where it's talking about the wrath of God, which is the justice of God. If you go back up to verse 3, you will know that he's actually talking about on the day of judgment, when we receive our reward and they receive theirs. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then you shall appear also with him in glory. When is that? That's in the resurrection. That's at the last day. Because no unbeliever right now is facing wrath. They actually have the potential to receive mercy because of grace. So when they commit sins that affect their lives, or it looks like it's destroying them or is destroying their lives, it's not the wrath of God. It's not the justice of God. It's the consequences of sin. But if you put the wrath of God or the justice of God, as for today, then what happens when earthquakes hit places? It was the wrath of God because of all the children of disobedience. That doesn't make sense, does it? Not when the scripture says that all the wrath of God was poured out on Christ. God's not into tormenting people. Neither has he ever been. But Paul tells us to mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. That means put them to death. And he goes on to list fornication and adultery and covetousness and evil desires and loss. And so what happens over the course of the centuries is you have people doing penance. Some people even beat themselves in some religions, some Christian religions, they'll beat themselves, they'll torment themselves, they'll afflict pain on themselves. They're trying to mortify, they're trying to put to death their body. Because for some reason, they just can't get rid of all these desires. So year by year, they're annually, year by year they find themselves afflicting themselves because they're trying to actually mortify their body. You don't do that if you don't have a genuine desire for God You don't do that. That's why people who say, well, these people are demonic or, you know, they don't know the Lord. I don't believe they're demonic and I believe they do know the Lord. I just believe that they've been misled on how to get to Him. I wouldn't afflict myself for somebody I didn't believe in. (laughs) I wouldn't do it. It's too painful. (laughs) Way too painful. And then listen to verse 8. But now... You also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also you do the same. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Could you imagine the Apostle Paul, after going through everything that he went through with these churches, I mean... The Judaizers followed them from one city to the next. And they get so free because of the simplicity of the gospel. And then they turn back to another gospel, which the Apostle Paul says is not a gospel at all. It was actually a gospel of works. They were trying to get to God through the law after they had came to him through grace. And they received the spirit apart from works. And God blessed them and manifested himself to them in real tangible ways. I mean, even to one of the churches, the Apostle Paul wrote and said, have I bestowed labor in vain? And then he testifies that for I give to your record, brothers, that if it was possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. You know how valuable the eyes are? You can't see anything. And I don't think the Apostle Paul was exaggerating when he said that you would have plucked out your own eyes and gave them to me. I don't think he was exaggerating at all. Because when they received the Apostle Paul, they received the Apostle Paul as if he was the Lord Jesus himself. He brought a message to them that was so liberating and so free. The God that they've been chasing the majority of their lives, whether through False sacrifices, idolatry, idols. The God that they had been looking for, they found when the Apostle Paul came. He came bringing not a message, but a person. And when they seen the person of Jesus in the Apostle Paul's life, they fell in love with him. And the Apostle Paul said, If you would have been able, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. What changes someone's heart like that, that would revert back under the law after being liberated through the Spirit? Found right back in Philemon. I thank my God and making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ and towards all the saints that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in Christ Jesus, in you, in Christ. Words are the primary way faith is released. So when he's talking about acknowledging, it's not just thinking about them. It's actually proclaiming what you have on the inside. Because when you proclaim with your voice which comes from the inside, speaking of something that is in you, I honestly believe it empowers it to release out of you. Your voice comes from the inside of you. Your voice don't come from the outside of you. Have you ever plugged both of your ears and talked? It sounds muffled. It sounds like you just tried shutting up your own voice, why? Because it comes from the inside of you. But when you're speaking, the words that you're speaking out, your ears are actually receiving. So you're speaking something out of your heart that your ears actually hear. You're acknowledging every good thing that is in you. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created the, the world, He used words. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. So how do you do that? How do you set your affections on things above? What if your affections aren't set on things above? How can you set your affections on things above? By acknowledging every good thing that is in you, in Christ Jesus. What if you don't feel too good that day? What if you had a really bad day and responded foolishly to people? Are you going to agree with that? How do you mortify the deeds of the body? By focusing on them? Is that how you do it? I'm going to quit fornicating? I'm not fornicating, I'm not fornicating. Is that going to stop it? No. What's going to stop that spirit? What's going to break that chain? What's going to release the freedom that you already have on the inside out? It's going to be your words. It's the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you. I'm a new creature in Christ. Sin no longer has dominion over me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And righteousness doesn't look like that. Righteousness doesn't think like that. Because now, as a born-again believer, I have the mind of Christ. I have the blood of Jesus which purge my conscience from dead works so that I can serve the living God. I'm also stirring myself up in my most holy faith while I'm saying these things. Because our words carry power. Remember, God uses his words to create the universe, actually release something in his spirit into a natural world. Yours is going to be the same way. If you want to see something spiritually affect something natural, then you're actually going to have to use your words. And it's going to have to be by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you. Because I've never known someone to change who focused on how much they weren't changed. I've never known that. See, because if I had the ability to change myself, if you had the ability to change yourself, then what's the purpose of giving us the Holy Spirit? But when it says to mortify your members, we take that burden and we put it on our back and we say it's my job to mortify my members and I'm going to do it by just determining not to. How has that ever worked for you? It's worked very bad for me. I've never found freedom in that place. The reality is is that I actually found more bondage because I was trying to mortify my flesh instead of the acknowledging of every good thing that is in me. Instead of setting my affections on things above, which does mortify the flesh. That's why it's in verse 2, and it says to mortify the flesh in verse 5. The way you mortify the flesh is through setting your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says. It says, In all your ways acknowledge God, and he will direct your path. The acknowledging of God in our lives causes our path to be directed. It's a simple message, and it's supposed to be simple that if you acknowledge God in all your ways, if you acknowledge every good gift that is in you, it will actually cause your faith to work. It will actually cause your faith to inspire you above the things that were conquering you. It will release you into a place of freedom instead of bringing you to a place of burden. Because the spirit that we carry inside of us is a liberating spirit. The reason that he sealed us is so that the freedom that was inside of us could then be expressed through us, but we never lose it. We have the ability to release it, and we have the ability to walk in what's been released. Listen to what uh, Romans chapter 5, 5, because we're talking about the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you. That's what causes faith to work. Romans 5, 5 tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. I have the love of God inside of me. Sometimes we pray, God, make us more like you, and we've all done it. Make us more like you. Make us more like you. And the more I prayed that, I felt further away. Because I was acknowledging how much I wasn't like him. Instead of saying, I have your love shed abroad in my heart. I have the ability to love just like you do. What happens? It's released into my atmosphere. My ears hear it. It came out of my spirit. It came from his word. It's the power of our words to create. God used his words to create. The same words that he used to create, they carry the same power in our lives when we use them to create. They create the same atmosphere and environment that the Apostle Paul spoke them with so that the church would be willing to pluck out their eyes and give them to them because they actually experienced freedom that they never had. The power of our words Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus again we're not looking to heaven we're looking on the inside of us because the kingdom of God resides inside Heavenly places, I don't know if the majority of the body of Christ knows this or not, it's found in here. It's found in here. It's the kingdom of God. He lives inside of me. I have access to this kingdom because it's inside, it's not outside. We're not going from meeting to meeting to meeting trying to find the kingdom of God somewhere out here because if it's not in here, you'll never find it out here. You won't. You can be introduced to it, but it has to be birthed in here. So we have the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We're no longer praying, God, let me love like you. Again, because when you pray a prayer like that, you end up focusing on how much you're not like him instead of what you've been made that you are like him. Not that you're going to be, you are. See, we put all the promises in the future, and I understand there are promises that still have to unfold in our future, but the reality that you're in his image is not for a later time. It's right now. You are like him. You're never going to be more like him. But the more you release the kingdom of God on the inside is the more that you will see it affect the outside. But it only comes through acknowledging not what you aren't, but what you've been made because the old man is dead. It's been buried with him through baptism. So now the life that you live, you live by the glory or the life of God. It's God's life inside of you. It's not your life anymore. You were bought with a price. A great payment was made to purchase you. And when you were purchased, God actually gave you the most precious substance in heaven to put in you, which is his self. So now you and him are on the same plane. That's why we're co-heirs with Christ. We're on his level because we inherited on the same level that he inherited as. God's a creator by nature, but anything God ever creates, first he speaks before anything is ever created. He told Abraham that he was gonna be the father of nations. So Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. Why would Abraham, against hope, believe in hope? The scripture says that he was over 100 years old and Sarah's womb was already dead. But he still believed in God because he didn't limit God because he knew that the creator, when he used the words and said, you will be the father of many nations, that that word which God spoke had to be fulfilled in his time. And we find in Psalms, I think it's 27 verse 13, David said, my heart would have failed had I not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. How could David believe for such things? Because he had words from God that he himself spoke over himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. What is that? He would write down and pen stuff and make songs and he would sing about how the Lord's going to deliver him from all his enemies, how he taught his hands to battle and his fingers to war. What was he doing? He was proclaiming a message over himself that didn't look anything like where he was because it looked like his enemies were going to devour him. It looked like the Lord wasn't going to help him. But when God speaks, he speaks with intention. And David had not yet become king when Saul was trying to kill him. (laughs) He hadn't become king. That means David had a word over his life because when God spoke it through the prophet Samuel, he received it as the word of God himself, just like they received the apostle Paul as Jesus. Because you can only get direct revelation from God even though it comes through a man. That's why there can be six people, a hundred people, a hundred and sixteen people in a room and each person pick up something different from the message that was speaking to them. Because though we're speaking, it's penetrating your heart but it's through the Holy Spirit that that word becomes applicable in your life. Not every word is for you, but every word is the potential. Every prophetic word may not be directly for you, but you have the potential to walk in it into the measure that you receive it. That means that the written word of God is still a prophetic word. That means that every word might not be applicable at this moment, but every word you have the potential to receive if you choose to walk in it. If you let that word mold you, if you speak over yourself that I am the righteousness of God, I don't care what my life looks like. I don't care what I've been dealing with, that my right standing with God was never based in what I did. It was based in what Jesus did, that I won't be condemned, that you can't condemn me, you can't shame me. I remember having a conversation with Gracie because she said shame on you to, I think, mercy. And I said, no, we don't say that. That's like cussing in our house. We don't say shame on you because we don't bear shame. We don't bear guilt, condemnation. I'm not going to bear in my body something that Jesus bore in his because I have the potential to release his body in my life because mine's dead. But it only comes through the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you, in Christ Jesus. Listen to something else. I'm almost done. It says, God has raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So another thing is that I'm not just here on this earth. I'm actually seated with Christ in heaven. I'm actually seated with him. I'm in him. He's in me. And the full potential of the manifestation of that is possible. And like I was telling my cousin Jesse, we're coming into a time where the impossible is not only possible, but it's probable. It's actually going to happen. Why? And it's the most likely thing to happen. That's what probable means. It's the most likely thing to happen is the impossible in our generation because we're embracing an aspect of God that's been disregarded throughout the generations, which is the fullness of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, Christ in me. The Holy Spirit in me. The blood of Jesus has been applied to the doorposts of our heart, so therefore shame, guilt, condemnation, or any other thing that tries to creep in that's opposite to the will of God has no access point. Because it can't get through the blood. Our righteousness is a sealed state. You don't hop in and out of righteousness even if you do unrighteous things. It doesn't make you unrighteous. It just means your actions aren't right. Your actions aren't right, but your spirit is. Because we've been seated with him. This is another acknowledging of the truth of the things that are in us. And then listen to what Philippians 4.19 says. My God shall supply all your needs According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It didn't say according to the economy, according to your riches on earth. It said according to his riches which are in glory. And then it says in Christ. You mean the full riches that are in glory are going to be found in Christ for us? That's how our needs are going to be provided for? Absolutely. Why wouldn't they be? Does that mean I never have to work another day in my life? We all wish that's what it meant. (laughs) Be fruitful and multiply. (laughs) We wish it was that easy. But how do you release the riches that's actually going to meet your needs in Christ? It's going to come through the acknowledging of the good thing that's been deposited in you, which is the Holy Spirit. The blood of jesus it belongs to you the scripture says that we've been translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of god's dear son i'm actually a kingdom citizen right now and darkness no longer has power over me i refuse to yield to darkness anymore so my prayer looks like this it doesn't look like lord please deliver me please deliver me from this darkness please deliver me from this darkness The prayer looks like this. Lord, I thank you that I'm a child of light and darkness has no power over me, that I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your own son. And I thank you that whatever influence that Satan has been trying to use against me, that it was broken the moment I got saved. I acknowledge the reality of that inside of me and I release it right now in the name of Jesus. That's what that prayer looks like that's something that will bring change not the acknowledging of every bad thing that is in you remember set your affections on things above is actually found in you it's actually found in you because <laughs> the kingdom of god is inside of you listen to what romans 8:11 says the spirit of him that raised jesus from the dead dwells in you and the same spirit that raised christ from the dead Because it dwells in you, shall quicken, make alive your mortal bodies. Look up the word mortal. It'll actually say in the concordance, subject to die. Our glorified celestial bodies won't be subject to die. So it's talking about right here in this earth, right now. It's talking about right now in this earth that we have a promise that God is going to make alive this mortal body. So when I'm facing a difficulty in the flesh, I don't say, Lord, please change my body. Please touch me. Bring healing. I acknowledge every good gift, every good thing that is inside of me. And by the acknowledging of it, I release what's inside to work on the outside. Amen? And it comes through words. It's going to be your words. This changes the way we pray because it changes what we're focusing on. It actually brings us to a higher place by bringing us to a deeper place of intimacy with God. Because now, instead of looking at circumstances or what you're dealing with, you focus on what you have and not what you don't have. Because by focusing on what you have, it will get rid of everything you don't have. We're changed from glory to glory from beholding Him. So the more we behold Him, acknowledge every good thing that's in us, The more that we're actually changed into that same image. Amen. I only got a couple more. Mark 16, 17, and 18. And he says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. See. Before we believed, I was always asking God for the gift of tongues, like all the time because I see the value of it, I believe the value of it, and the people that I knew were who were following closely to the Lord spoke in tongues a lot, which was Mark and Val. And so I knew that that was a gift that I needed in my life because I seen it demonstrated through the life of my leaders. But instead of thanking Him that the gift already resides inside of me, I was always looking for him to bring it to me instead of releasing out of me. I prayed and prayed. I got—I know this is against some people's theology. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I didn't speak in tongues. And some people say, well, then you weren't really baptized. Well, that day my whole life changed. So Mark laid one hand on my stomach, one hand on my back, prayed that I'd be baptized. I shook for about a good hour we left the church I couldn't stop crying I told this story before in here got home like an hour hour and a half later I was like I think me and Mark or some me and somebody was the last one I think it was me and you were the last ones to leave the church I got home and I'm still crying and I'm still shaking and I can't stop and my mom's like what's wrong with you and I'm like I don't know (laughs) I can't stop crying that day marked me it still carries the same emotion when I tell it that it did the day that I received it Uh, when I received the gift of speaking in tongues Val it was Val I mean these guys have been a blessing to my life and ministry since I came to the Lord Val we're at the same church Val said if anybody wants to come up here and receive the gift of speaking in tongues come on up and I went up there and it just started as a few words and Uh, Before a week or two, I had a whole language, praise God. (laughs) But it's the access point of faith. It's so simple when we realize that what we have is not out here, it's in here. And that all it takes to release it is us acknowledging it. It just takes us acknowledging it. So it's not a fight to obtain or a fight to release. It's so easy to release it. It changes our prayer life. Instead of looking for God on the outside, we're always focused on the inside. They shall speak in new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I've always held on to this since I came to the Lord. And you know how many people I haven't seen healed by laying hands on them? Even even up until recently, I would pray and I would say, Lord, do something about this. You know, uh, you said that I would lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But, you know, I've been praying for people and I'm not seeing a, a quick recovery. And I was acknowledging what I wasn't seeing and what I didn't have instead of acknowledging the healing power of Jesus that already lives on the inside of me. How do I release what's on the inside out? By acknowledging it. It causes our faith to work effectually. It's amazing. Romans 8.4 says, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us. It's fulfilled in us. The righteous requirements of the law to be made right with God is fulfilled in us. So it's not through external works that we try to get righteous. We're already righteous. You can't get any more right in God's eyes than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus purchased us from those dead works. It redeemed us. It set us back to our original value, and we really are free. I really believe that the real message or the real opportunity that God has given us today is to step into a higher level of freedom that we can walk in the fullness of what He's called us to. He don't orchestrate services like this just to put on a show. God isn't into doing shows. When He speaks, when He gives us a word to speak, when He gives you guys a word of prophecy, it's all confirming in the way that His Spirit is moving in that time. The Spirit of God is moving us into a place of real freedom on every level that we'll experience real success in these days and it won't be based upon former successes that the Lord is actually going to do something new in our generation and in our time that he's teaching us and training us and equipping us to carry something that's going to revolutionize the face of Christianity. I really believe that. So how does your faith work effectually? Just tell me all together. Yes your words. By acknowledging the truth of who you are, by acknowledging every good thing which is in you. Amen. Say, I am free.
1: I am, free. I am, really, free. I am really free. I am completely free. I am completely free. I have been delivered. I live in a new kingdom. And I have the mind of Christ. And I have the mind of Christ. I am Mrs. Jesus. I can do all things. I have his checkbook. I have his power. I have his life. I have been redeemed. I am free. And I shake off those lies. I cast down those vain imaginations. And I proclaim the truth. I am free. Father God, we thank you for your freedom. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your orchestration. We thank you for every good thing that is in us because of Christ Jesus. In and through his life. We thank you, Father God, that we have already died. And we're not going to do any more dying. We thank you, Father God, that we are alive. More alive than the world has ever seen. We will never die. We will never go back to the old ways. We will never live in darkness again. Life and abundant life belongs to us because of our precious Jesus. And our Father who loves us. We thank you that you are a good, good Father. And you always wanted us to have life and life more abundant. And Father God, we hear what you're saying to us and we will proclaim the truth over ourselves and over our children and over our grandchildren that we are alive and we are free. And we will not allow the darkness to have dominion in our lives or through our lives. We thank you, Father God, that we are free from sickness. We are free from disease. We are free from poverty. We are free from lack. We are free from grief. We are free from sorrow. We are free from the past because you redeemed our lives and you have given us your very own. We thank you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.